0: Now, podcast where you'll discover and be equipped with keys from the Word of God that will pave the way to God's unlimited blessing in your life. Now, here's your host, Evangelist T.J. Malkangi. Today, we're going to be talking about the gifts of the Holy Spirit and how you can move. And flow in these gifts. Before I do that, actually, let's turn to Mark chapter 16. Mark chapter 16. I want to show you that the gifts of the Holy Spirit are not reserved for the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. But the gifts of the Holy Spirit are available to anyone who believes. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 7, and we're going to get there uh, eventually through this broadcast, but I'll quote it now. 1 Corinthians 12, 7, it says, the manifestation of the Spirit Is given to every man for the profit of all. The manifestation of the Spirit, which is the gifts of the Holy Spirit, is given to every man for the profit of all. Paul is saying there that these gifts are to manifest in every man. It's not just in, it's not in exclusive people. It's not in the, the VIPs in the body of Christ. There is no VIP in the body of Christ. The moment you're born again, you are a VIP in the body of Christ. And Paul says that the manifestation of these things is to be in every man or woman. That men and women are to be carriers of these gifts for the profiting of all. The gifts of the Holy Spirit will never bring decrease in your life. When you begin to operate in these things, and I'm going to talk about some stories today of how it's brought violent increase to people and to myself. Um... And and it's been super. They're supernatural tools that have built amazing things on the earth. Great moves of God. Great churches established because of the operation of these gifts. They always bring increase. Lester Sumrall said, "I've never seen a church operate in the gifts of the Holy Spirit and them decrease. I've always seen it bring increase. It always brings multiplication. Anything God does." is to build. God does not do things to lessen a work or to subtract from something. Everything God does is for increase. It is to add. He is not a subtractor. He is a multiplier. Everything he does. The Bible says that God is the builder of everything. God builds. God does not. The only thing God destroys is the work of the devil. But when it comes to you and your life and your family, God desires to build you. God desires to edify. You know the very word edify that we read oftentimes, especially in King James versions of the Bible, or New King James version of the Bible. The word edify comes from the root word edifice, which is what we use when we talk about a building. A building is an edifice. We call them massive edifices, especially in old times. Now nobody goes around calling them, hey, what a wonderful edifice. No, we call them buildings. We call them uh, skyscrapers or whatever. Nobody really says edifices anymore. But the root word of edify is edifice, which is um, the picture of, of a massive building. So when the Bible says God edifies, you know, speaking of tongues, the purpose of tongues, he that speaketh in an unknown tongue edifieth himself. It builds that man up. It edifies. It strengthens. It it uh it brings increase to an individual speaking in tongues. And you know, I've heard it many times amongst full gospel Christians and preachers, where they don't allow speaking in tongues in their church services anymore because we're afraid it's gonna scare people out. Let me ask you something. In Acts chapter 2, when they all spoke with other tongues at one time, they all spoke in the spirit, they were all speaking at one time, they were all speaking, you know, uh in one place, the Bible says, at one time, so they were all speaking um, together in unity, praising the Holy Spirit, it, praising God in the Holy Spirit in different, in variety of tongues, as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, my question to you is: Did that, did that reduce the church's effect and influence in the Book of Acts, or did it just kickstart the birth of the church and, in that day, added three thousand people to the church in one day? Did it subtract from the, did they go from 120 to now 104 or 120 to 15 because everybody thought these guys were crazy and then other people that were up up in the upper room were like, you know what, these guys are a little too much for me, I'm I'm, I'm going out, I'm I'm, I'm leaving, I'm I'm leaving, these guys are a little crazy, they're a little nuts in the head. No, it added, it it added, it multiplied them, they went from 120 to Three thousand one hundred and twenty in one day, and then you skip to a few, couple of uh, a couple of chapters later in Acts chapter five, they've got now two thousand extra that are added to the church, which brought them to five thousand one hundred and twenty. And then the Holy Spirit makes it a point to count and list how many people are added to the church in that given day, showing you that these gifts did not bring just a normal acceleration. It brought a supernatural, aggressive acceleration to the body of Christ. and it led to, it led to, to, to the, the beginning stages of the book of Acts. And it didn't slow down. It continued to grow. It continued to everywhere these gifts were in manifestation. You look in Acts chapter 14, Paul goes to Lystra. there's a crippled man, and uh, Paul, by the working of miracles. Raises that man out of, out of paralysis. He starts to walk and run. The people that were in Lystra saw Paul as Zeus and uh, uh, what's his name? That was when Barnabas as Hermes. They thought the gods had come down in the form of a man. And they began to praise Paul and Barnabas. Paul and Barnabas says, hey, hey, we're just flesh and blood. Don't look on us as if by our own nature we've made this man to walk. No, it's the God of heaven that manifested in the person of Jesus. That came in the God sent his son, Jesus Christ, on the earth. And he starts to preach the gospel. It gave them an audience. That's what the gifts of the Holy Spirit do. Matter of fact, before we read Mark chapter 16, let's skip down to Judges chapter 2. Because when you don't have the gifts of the Holy Spirit... Moving in our church services, that's where you see a deceleration of what God wants to do on the earth. That's when you see things slowing down. That's when CNN can get up on a, on a, a behind a camera and start mocking. That's when you have secular people, secular news agencies. That's when you have the WEF and all kinds of wicked entities mocking the church. Just bunching us up in with every other religious institution, as if we are just a different flavor of the same of of the same religion, you know. And then you you have movements today, like even the Vatican has signed up to it, where you have for the first time in history in the Vatican, you had a a Muslim priest, a Muslim imam, you had a, a Catholic guy, you had a, a Jewish rabbi, and different Buddhist uh, Buddhist monk and different. Leaders of different religions gather in the Vatican to talk about how we can, we, we're, we're a unified faith that we all believe in the same God, we just have different paths to the same God. When you don't have the supernatural, the world has to agree. The world has no choice but to agree. That, and essentially, if, if Christianity doesn't produce a miracle working power, if Christianity, you know, if Jesus was still in that tomb, we would have no choice but to, to agree. And surrender to the thought that there really was no difference between Jesus and Muhammad. They were just good teachers that brought great principles. But when these gifts and these supernatural workings begin to manifest in our services, it unlocks something where the world has no choice but to say, no, you can't bunch them in with the rest. There, that tomb is empty. Mecca, Saudi Arabia, you can go around the tomb of, of Muhammad, he's still there. You can go to where Buddha's buried. You can go to where all those guys are buried. All Every religious founder's tomb is filled up, except for Christianity. Jesus is not in that tomb. He's raised again from the dead, never to go back. And the Bible says, Mark 16, I was going to read it, but Mark 16 says to his disciples, Jesus, his last words, which a person's last words are very important. You know, we always remember the first words of a baby. My my son's first words were "dada." My daughter's first words were "mama." You remember that? I'll never forget those first words. Uh, but we also never forget the last words. The last words someone leaves before they exit this planet is very it's very important. It's the most important thing they have to say before they they lose audience with this earth and with this planet and with the people on this planet. And so Jesus's last words were not "Hey guys, now that we've established something, you know, I'm going to show you." I'm going to show you how to keep this thing going by uh, church growth principles and all that. He didn't go through a natural, he didn't tell them natural things to keep this thing going, to keep the ball rolling. He told them, now that I'm going, you go into all the world and preach this gospel, and these signs are going to follow those that believe. These supernatural signs. He didn't say, I'm going to show you a church growth strategy. That if you'll keep the lights at a certain dim level, and you'll keep the music at a certain level, and don't make your church services too long because people won't stay, and, and just come through this naturalistic uh, strategy. He didn't come out with that. He didn't bring natural methods and means. The church was birthed. By the supernatural, and Jesus gave us supernatural gifts and abilities to keep the ball rolling and for it to grow. Like a, you know, you ever see an avalanche? It starts with a little trickle of snow, and then it starts to accumulate until there's this raging force of snow that's just built up over time. And now it's inescapable. It just takes people by force. That's exactly what the supernatural abilities of the Spirit do for the church. We might start small. The kingdom of heaven. Despise not the day of small beginnings. The kingdom of heaven is like a small seed. The church started with 120. But as the church began to operate in these supernatural giftings and abilities, they didn't stay at 120. It was like an avalanche that took that known world by force. And the effects of it are still being felt. But hear what Judges chapter 2 says in verse 7. So the people served the Lord. All the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua, who had seen all the great works of the Lord, which he had done for Israel. Now Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died when he was 110 years old. They buried him. Verse 10. When all that generation had been gathered to their fathers, another generation arose after them who did not know the Lord, nor the work which he had done For Israel. When all that generation. What generation? The one that had seen Moses part the Red Sea. The one that had seen Moses inscribe the Ten Commandments on the stones. The one that had seen the plagues of Egypt, who had been delivered out of the Egyptian bondage. Those people had died, who had seen the marvelous supernatural workings of God on the earth. And another generation, the Bible says, rose up after them, who didn't know the Lord, nor the work which he had done for Israel. Who hadn't witnessed the supernatural gifts of the Holy Spirit at work, who hadn't witnessed The supernatural at work in Moses' ministry, in Joshua's ministry. Joshua bringing down the walls of Jericho. They hadn't seen that. And so the Bible says in the next verse, you can read it on your own time, that they began to serve other gods. It turned them away from the living God to false gods and worship of idols and useless vain things. So you see that the lack of the power of God flowing in the church is what has resulted in what we're seeing today people have turned away but that's that's ending people have turned away for a long time that's where you see people seeking new age spiritualism seeking crystals seeking uh the occult and uh and and witchcraft to to solve their needs medium spirits to give them peace about a love lost loved one They've turned away. The reason being is because a lack of the flow of the supernatural power of God in services. However, I believe that even in the last two years, there's been an overturning of that. People, even in the church, pastors are awakening to the fact that unless unless God's power is at work in our services, we are not going to survive. And the church was not giving the Holy Spirit power to survive. The church was given power to thrive in the land. You know, like Elijah, Elijah, they had been given over to the Baal worship in his day. When he called fire down from heaven, it was in one day that a nation that had been turned over to Baal worship, turned back to God and said, the Lord, he is God. And Elijah is his prophet in one day. It turned everything around in one day. So what we have right now, and I actually like it, especially in Canada, we have a blank slate because you have people who've heard a lot about God. And this has been my prayer coming on and jumping onto this broadcast today is that I want this to activate in you. If you've heard a lot about God, if you have, you know the Bible, you know the information of the Bible, you know uh, the biblical history laid out in the Bible, but you have never actually partaken in the manifestation of these things in your life. I'm praying that today, the Bible will go from just being a historical text to you, to a living dynamic book, where when you read the book of Acts, of what God did through Paul, handkerchiefs and aprons brought from his body, supernatural workings of the word of knowledge, where where you see normal, ordinary people starting to get downloads in their spirit of information about people that could not have come to them in any other way. That's the operation of the word of knowledge. And God using these people in supernatural ways and workings, that it's going to produce in you a desire for these giftings, a desire for to be used in these ways, for these these giftings, these, these tools, these instruments to manifest through you and in your life. That's my prayer. That these will not just be relics of the past, how God operated in times past, but that they will be Very desirable for you. You know, the Bible says the way that you actually start to operate in these things is to desire earnestly spiritual gifts. The word there is zelu in the Greek, which means to eagerly desire, to burn with a fiery passion for. These gifts don't come on people that are just, uh, uh, you know, just normally seeking. If they come, they come. If they don't, these gifts do not fall on people by random or by chance. They don't come to people haphazardly. These gifts, people that operate in these gifts and in these amazing weapons of warfare that the Holy Spirit has given the church are people who have earnestly desired, burnt with fiery passion for these things to manifest in their life. You know, when I see people in wheelchairs, that's what gets me to to fast and pray that God will begin to to, to allow me to be used in the working of miracles. I don't want people coming into my meetings in wheelchairs and leaving in wheelchairs. I don't... If we have the supernatural supply of God's Spirit to actually help people where the world can't help them, then I'm not just going to stand by and have... I don't want a normal ministry. I don't want an ordinary ministry. I don't want to be an ordinary Christian. I don't want to be a normal Christian. What is normal Christianity? Normal Christianity is not in by 9 and out by 11. Normal Christianity is not just... Cover your head while the devil beats you down and breaks you up. Normal Christianity is not you being constantly on retreat your entire life. Normal Christianity is God sets you free, put his power on you, his anointing in you, to then begin to operate in these supernatural giftings so you can be an agent of deliverance in your generation where you're not keeping people in prayer, but you have a supernatural supply of the spirit of God in your life to be the answer. For people that are sick. For people that are downcast. For people that are depressed. For people that are paralyzed. You don't have to keep them in prayer. The, the working of miracles gives them a way out. And I believe God's going to move you into that realm today in Jesus' name. If you believe that, type amen in the chat. I, um, I don't want to be an ordinary Christian. I want you to write that in the, in the chat too. I don't want to be an ordinary Christian. I don't want to be an ordinary Christian. Man, that's a prayer I pray more than anything else. I don't want to be a TED Talk preacher. I don't want to just give people information. I want to supply something supernatural by the Spirit of God. Whereby people, you know the purpose of the gifts, 1 Corinthians 14 says that when people come in, they will report that God is truly among you, that it will point people to Christ. So let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and I want to teach on the gifts of the Spirit today. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. What keeps people from operating in these gifts? Three things. Number one, people don't operate in these gifts because of ignorance. They're ignorant of their existence. They don't even know this is available. Unfortunately, because of preaching, uh, lacking the teaching. Because preachers lack the teaching and instruction in these in these areas. There is a great deficit of knowledge in the people of God. They don't even know they exist. There's a lot of people that have come out of certain denominations that said, I wish I had known part of my testimony. The reason I had OCD all these years, I didn't know Jesus as healer. I didn't understand that the gifts of healings was a real thing, that I can actually be healed of the oppression of the devil. And what you're not taught and preached to out of the Bible, you'll never operate in those things. The Bible says very clearly, Paul went to the upper regions of Ephesus and he found disciples there and he said, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They replied, we've never even heard of a Holy Spirit. They didn't even hear about it, so they couldn't receive it. What you don't hear about, what you don't believe, and believing starts with hearing. Faith comes by hearing. What you don't hear and believe, you'll never receive. You'll never operate in those things. So number one, hindrance to the operation of the gifts of the Spirit is ignorance. That's why we're going to shed light. The entrance of His Word brings light, brings understanding. Brings understanding. Number two, hindrance to the gifts of the Spirit is there's... Um, there's unbelief. We don't believe those things still apply for today. We don't believe that still works today. We, don't, we believe that was just for the first disciples, the first apostles, for the establishment of the church, which I've taught it before. Cessationism is not biblical. It doesn't have biblical grounds for belief. 1 Corinthians 13 is the scripture that they use. They say, when that which is perfect has come, then that which is imperfect they am speaking of the gifts of the Spirit will be done away with. And they say that when the Bible comes, when the canonization of the New Testament canon comes, that the gifts of the Holy Spirit will no longer be needed. But that's not what Paul was saying in 1 Corinthians 13. And 1 Corinthians 13 is not Paul saying, there's the gifts of the Spirit, but then love is the higher way. And once the gifts of the Spirit sees, love is the way to do it. Love is what's going to build everything. Love, that's not what he was saying. Paul was saying that the motivation in the gifts of the Spirit, in the operation of these gifts, the motivation that you are to have, that which actually amplifies the ministry of the Holy Spirit in our life, is love. He's not saying there's the gift or love, you choose either or. He's saying that we have the gifts of the Spirit, but the way that they function, and the way that they're going to move through through us, the way that they're actually going to be activated in our life, is through love, love. Faith worketh by love. These gifts work by love. And then he goes on to say that when that which is perfect has come, then that which is imperfect will be done away with. He's not talking about the Bible being the perfect that is coming he's talking about when Jesus returns in all his glory then the gifts of the Holy Spirit are no longer to be needed in heaven we're not going to need working of miracles in heaven there's not going to be handicapped people in heaven there's not going to be handicap parking spaces in heaven there's not going to be any type of, of of sickness disease there's not going to be cancer wards in heaven there's not going to be deaf schools in heaven there's not going to be any of that we won't need the operation of the gifts of the Holy Spirit in heaven we won't need the word of knowledge we won't need the word of wisdom we won't need prophecy to encourage people because there won't be any need for encouragement so that's what paul was saying he's saying when jesus comes then we won't have to operate in these gifts anymore because the perfect has come a new heaven a new earth the devil will be bound thrown into a lake of fire for eternity and there will be nothing in that day that hurts offends causes pain causes sickness or causes sorrow in our lives anymore amen Amen. What a great day that will be. However, until that day comes, the gifts of the Holy Spirit are 100% in effect. The Holy Spirit has not changed His ministry or His mode of operation. And I want to remind you, we are in the dispensation of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, when He was on the earth, remember the Old Testament, and i got to get this into you today. The Old Testament, the Jews, they always rebelled against the Father. The Israelites, the people of God, they they always rebelled and pushed against the Father. They always were uh, hostile and rebellious in nature against the will of God. You read that. In Hebrews chapter 3, it says, These people have always turned away from me in their hearts. They are rebellious people, and I swore in my wrath they will not enter my my rest. You read the study, the history of the Israelites. Study the book of Judges. It's one of the most frustrating books in the entirety of the Bible. Because you see the Israelites turning away from God, God raising up a mighty judge and a mighty deliverer in that generation, turns the people back to God, and then... When that guy died, just like we just read, Joshua died, they turned back to the worship of the Baals and back to the worship of false prophets and false idols. So you see that vicious cycle for many years. Jesus comes. Now they're people of the Father. There, we serve God, and Moses is our prophet, but who's this man, Jesus? We don't know where he's come from, and they took a problem with Jesus. They didn't want anything to do with Jesus. They were hostile towards him. They nailed him to a tree. They killed and crucified him. Paul said, you have crucified the prince of life whom God sent to be propitiation of our sins. Jesus dies, rises again, goes to heaven sends the Holy Spirit. Now, the Old Testament was the dispensation of the Father. Those years that Jesus was on the earth is the dispensation of the Son. Now, we are in the dispensation. What does dispensation mean? It means the time for that member of the Godhead to operate fully. In the Old Testament, the Father operated. In the New New Testament, specifically to the Gospels, it was the operation of Jesus on the earth by the power of the Spirit. Uh, in obedience to the Father. Now they're always in triunity. They're always operating together in unity of purpose and in unity of mind. But they they had different dispensations. Then in the the new, in the book of Acts and onwards to this day, we're in the dispensation of the Holy Spirit. And what do you have? You have people that say we're Jesus only people. We believe in the Father. We believe in Jesus. We also believe in the Spirit. But we don't believe that He operates like that anymore. We don't like this charismatic movement. We don't do the whole speaking in tongues stuff. And Matter of fact, when in 1906, the Holy Spirit was poured out in Azusa Street, and people came from all across the world, and the Pentecostal outpouring uh, was had historically, and now we're at the 600 million, I believe, 600, 700 million Pentecostals, people that speak in tongues on the earth. You have this great outpouring of the Spirit missionaries that were were raised up in that day that brought revival to entire nations of the world. And the gifts of the Holy Spirit began to function again. Do you understand that in that time of history... Even in places like Texas, if you were a spirit-filled, tongue-talking Christian in the years 1910, 1915, 19, as this began to unfold, that people who were from other denominations that had a problem with that, they wouldn't just disagree with you. If they found you going walking home after a church service, if they found you, they'd actually beat you up and leave you in the dust. There are many preachers that took flack for speaking in tongues and I don't mean I don't mean they left a comment on their Facebook you have such Such weak believers today. I can't believe they left the comment on my Facebook. I can't believe the comment they left on my TikTok. Oh, I can't believe those hurtful words. They, They didn't get hurtful words. They got beat up and left for dead. Paul didn't get hurtful words. Paul got beat up and left for dead. These people took heat, but they didn't back down because that's what Pentecostal fire does. That's the first thing the Holy Ghost does to a person. I don't care if you speak in tongues and do all that. The Holy Spirit, the first thing that it does to someone is it creates in them a backbone to stand up for Christ, to take a stand for Christ. Where when the government's saying, shut your church down, they're saying, no way, Jose, we're keeping this church done. The only time this church is shutting down is when Jesus comes back for the church. That's the only time we're shutting down. You know, you have so many preachers that speak in tongues and do all that. But when push came to shove in the last two years, they shut down, they kept, They stayed closed Even to this day, there's some churches that still do online services and the thing's done. You're telling me you speak in tongues? You're telling me you pray in the Spirit? No, you don't. I don't know what you're praying, but it ain't the Spirit. Because when I pray in the Holy Ghost, it edifies me to the point where I can take a stand for Christ. That even in the middle, when we had police officers standing at our church, giving us fines as we walked in, we came in with a smile on our face. And we did it all the the more. We were joyful. We considered it great joy to encounter these various trials. That's what the Holy Ghost does. Peter gets up in front of a crowd of raging lunatics at the day of Pentecost, who 50 days ago crucified their Savior. And he says, man and brethren. These men are not drunk. These are just filled with the Holy Ghost. And he speaks the, you know, Joel chapter 2 prophecy. In the last days, these uh, I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. That's what the Holy Ghost does. It's the first thing the Holy Spirit does. is to put a holy boldness in you. And then you speak in tongues. But I was saying before is that these things if they, if they if they if the baton doesn't get passed on to this generation, in the understanding of these gifts, in the knowledge of them, and as I was saying before, you know, there's still full movements in denominations whose sole purpose is to back, is to to, to speak ill of the move of the Spirit. I'm telling you, there are people who say they have ministries, and their whole ministry, quote unquote, is to. To expose ministers that operate in miracles and ministers that operate in the gifts of the Spirit and all that. That's their ministry. They're not a ministry, first and foremost. Secondly, they're no different than the people that attacked Jesus while he was on the earth. Remember, they, Jesus said, because they said, you know, we follow the fathers only, we follow Moses only. Jesus said, if you were really people of your, uh, uh, if you were really people of, of Abraham, if you were really the people of Abraham, you would have rejoiced to see my day. You know, they didn't rejoice, they crucified him. The same vein, you have people today, we're people, we're we're men of Jesus, we're men of the Father, we're men of the Bible, we're men of, but then, they see these things happening that happen in the book of Acts, and they don't rejoice to see that day, they criticize it, they hate it, but I want to tell you something, we're in the dispensation of the Holy Ghost right now, and he's in full mobility, full action. He's not slowed down. He's not stopped. He's not changed his mission from the book of Acts. He's still doing the same thing. So let's learn how to flow with him. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. Isn't that interesting? The very first thing. The very first thing, Paul, in speaking of the gifts of the Spirit, the first thing he covers is, hey, you want to operate in these gifts? Don't be ignorant. Understand that they exist and go beyond that. Understand how they operate. Understand how they flowed through other men. Understand how God has used other people in these very same things. And sit under it. You want to you operate in a gift? Sit under that gift. You want to operate in the working of miracles? Find people that operate in the working of miracles and sit under that gifting. That's how you, you lose Ignorance. You start to see, man, not only do I see that, you know, it's one thing to know the working of miracles is a real gift. It's quite another thing to actually know how to operate in it. It's one thing to know that cars exist. It's quite another thing to go and buy one and use it and mobilize yourself and use it for transportation and take advantage of it not enough. You know, I've, I've been to churches where all they say, we need the fire of God. We need the gifts of the Holy ghost. We need God working in our churches. Amen. Amen. Everybody. Amen. All right. How do you yield to the Holy spirit so that these things are actually start to manifest in our services? You don't just pray you first Corinthians 12 through 14. Paul's literally talking about how these gifts operate in order, how they operate in order. A good church service, an orderly church service is not that we got you in by 9.30 and we got you out by 10.30 just like we promised. An hour of power. A good That's actually a disorderly service in the eyes of God. An orderly service in the eyes of God is that people that came in bound through the operation of these gifts leave free. Leave delivered. Leave no longer in bondage. They've been set free by the Spirit of God. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. So if there's no freedom in your services, then there's no Spirit of God. If there's no freedom, if people aren't experiencing the freedom of the cross, then you can know the Holy Spirit was not there. Now, I'm not saying he wasn't there. It's present. He's omnipresent. He's God. He's everywhere. But I mean, his manifestation was not there. There's a difference. That's why Paul says the manifestation of the Spirit brings profit to all. The Holy Spirit is just as much God as Jesus is and just as much God as the Father is. But his manifestation is not everywhere. So he's omnipresent, he's everywhere at once, but you go to a bar at 2.30 in the morning and uh, he's not manifesting his glory there. You have bar fights, that's not the fruit of the spirit. (laughs) You go to a strip club, there ain't no fruit of the spirit happening there. The manifestation of the spirit's not happening there. You go to a soccer game where there's a riot happening, there's no manifestation of the spirit there. You go to a church service. That's why I never got along with people that said, you know, you don't have to come to a physical building to be the church. You know, we don't have to gather to be the church. That's not a correct statement. You have to gather to be the church. The very word church is ecclesia, which means the gathering of the the saints, the gathering of the called out ones. And there's something special when people come together in unity of faith to focus and fix their eyes on Jesus in the worship of him, that the Holy Spirit begins to manifest himself in several ways. And these nine gifts are the ways he manifests. So I don't want you to be ignorant. I don't want you to be without knowledge. I don't want you just to know they exist. I want you to know how to operate in them. I want you to have a deep understanding as to how these things can flow in your life. You know that you were Gentiles, carried away to these dumb idols, however you were led. So I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God can say Jesus is a curse, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Paul is essentially saying when the Spirit is manifesting, it's going to point people to Jesus. When someone's operating under the Holy Spirit, he's not going to curse Jesus. He's not going to curse the work of God. He's not going to diminish the work of God. It's not going to subtract from the work of God. It's going to add. It's going to bring attention to Jesus. When the gifts of the Holy Spirit, remember Jesus said, when the Spirit has come, he will not speak on his own initiative. Whatever he hears from me, he shall declare to you, and he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me. The Holy Spirit's expressed purpose is to point people to Christ, to point people to worshiping Christ. He's literally the Jesus' cheerleader. He shows people, he gives revelation of Christ, and then through the gifts, he points people to fix their gaze, their attention, on the person of Jesus. So that's what Paul is saying here. No one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. When the gifts of the Holy Spirit are in operation, it's going to cause people to make the confession Jesus is Lord. That shows you that they are tools for evangelism. I can tell you when I was in Laval, Quebec once and I was preaching, I was doing an outdoor crusade. And uh, one night, I remember specifically, it was a very one of the most powerful nights of our ministry. We had a, a, a girl who was probably about like 17, 18 years old come to our service fully deaf in her left ear. Didn't know Jesus, didn't know church, was just literally walking on the street, saw that we were doing a festival, came, signed up uh, because we do registrations for uh, admission and stuff. She signed up, she, she stayed through it all, gave an invitation, called her up, laid hands on her deaf ear, opened, The power of God opened it up. Do you think the next night we had, as I came and had her come up and do her testimony, do you think that we had to persuade people that Jesus was, you know, special, that Jesus rose again? No. When she gave that testimony, someone who just, you know, didn't grow up in church, didn't grow up around church, didn't have any dealings with church, had no desire for God, apart from the day before when she stumbled into this crusade, this outdoor outreach, And now her ear comes open. You think she's ever going to have opportunity to doubt God and his existence? No. The gifts of the Holy Spirit, that was the working of miracles. Jesus said, the works you've seen me do and greater works shall you do because I'm going to the Father. When her ear opened up, it not only showed her Jesus is alive, she's now a walking billboard for the kingdom of heaven stating to this new generation that Jesus is alive. And it pointed her to Christ, and I'm sure she went home and told her, te- her testimony to her family, and I'm, I haven't kept tabs on her, but I'm sure her family. I'm sure there's people in her family that are now born again believers because of it. When the gifts of the Spirit are in operation, it'll cause people to say Jesus is Lord. Therefore, verse 4, there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. So there's different types of gifts, we're going to go through them, there's three categories of gifts, and nine gifts within those three categories. There is the gifts of power, which is the working of miracles, the gifts of healings, and the gift of faith. These are the power gifts, these are the gifts that get you to act and move on behalf of God, producing supernatural manifestations. Number two category is the gifts of revelation. These are the word of knowledge, the word of wisdom, and the discerning of spirits. These allow you to see like God sees. These allow you to, um, to, uh, to discern things as God discerns things. The word of knowledge, for example, is a fragment of knowledge that you couldn't know in your own self or you've not received through the five senses that God has dropped into your spirit that could not have come any other way. It allows you to have a fragment of information from the past or from the present that allows you to see Old Testament prophets and New Testament prophets operate in these revelatory gifts. They're called seers in the Old Testament. They were able to see like God sees. Their revelation gifts, discerning of spirits, allows you to see into the human spirit allows you to see angel spirit, angelic spirits, allows you to see demonic spirits, and allows you to discern the moving of the Holy Spirit himself in services. These allow you to see. It literally, it's like the the um, the lifting of the veil to allow you to see into the spiritual realm and discern things spiritually. And then three, the third category of the gifts, is the gifts of inspiration. These allow you to speak like God. This is the gift of prophecy, the Gift of tongues and the gift of interpretation interpretation of tongues. So there's diversity of gifts, but it is the same spirit. So it's not that there's a Holy Spirit that operated in the book of Acts. He went to heaven and then he sent the lesser Holy Spirit for the rest of us throughout history. There's not a Holy Spirit... For the adults, and then for children's church, there's a lesser Holy Spirit. He's called Junior Holy Spirit, and he operates for the kids because the kids are not that important. It's the same Holy Spirit. I did a meeting once when I was uh, first starting out. I did a meeting uh, at a children's church, literally for a children's church in my own personal church uh, that I attend in Montreal. And I remember, just I just spoke about Jesus, how he was like greater than Superman, greater than all these guys. I talked about how Jesus... Um, was powerful, a miracle worker, you know, just get it down on their level. I spoke to them like in a way where they could understand and they latched onto it. Man, there was no, I don't, even if there was ADHD kids in that, in that meeting, there was no ADHD, there was no attention deficit, they were all glued in and listening to what I had to say and uh, I remember when I started to minister to people, I, I wanted to minister to them the baptism of the Holy Spirit afterwards because there's no, there's no age limit or age limitations when it comes to the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says, to you and your children, and as many as are far off that the Lord our God would call. You and your children. The promises to you and your children's children. So it's for children. The Bible says young men and young women will prophesy and see, and, uh, see visions. So I ministered the baptism of the Holy Spirit to them, and I, re- I still have the video on my phone. Where they were on the floor for like a good 40 minutes. And the Holy Ghost was so strong on them, they were they were speaking in tongues, some of them were prophesying, it was a mighty move of the Holy Spirit in a children's church. So that's to show you, there's no junior Holy Spirit and senior Holy Spirit. There is the Holy Spirit. There are diversity of gifts, but the same Spirit. The same Spirit. There's some people who criticize tongues, but they believe in healing. You can't. The gifts of healings and the, the speaking of tongues, the gift of tongues is both given by the same distributor of gifts, the Holy Spirit. So the same Spirit. I want you to write that in the comment section. The same Spirit. Number two, verse five, in 1 Corinthians 12, five. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. So not every ministry is the same. There's apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. There's um, even different types of teachers within the body of Christ. There's some people that their gifting is to teach on faith. Other people, their gifting is to teach on the gifts of the Spirit. Other, like uh, Howard Carter was, there's other people that there's difference, they're, different, they're a different ministry. They carry a different mandate. And they teach on something else. They teach on prosperity or they teach on something, you know, something else that, that uh, they're especially gifted to articulate that thing from the Bible. But the Bible says it's the same Lord. So there's people that criticize, people that preach and teach on faith. That's what Kenneth Hagin had all the time. They criticized him because he taught on faith a lot. And uh, he had a mandate. He had a special sense of responsibility and duty to keep on teaching on faith. That was his ministry. He had a different ministry. But look at how it's blessed the world. Men, I've learned... The operation of faith and how to walk in faith and live by faith through the ministry of Kenneth Hagin. Through his books and through his, his tapes and his, his CDs and his YouTube videos and all that. So, there's different ministries. But just because your ministry doesn't look like another's, you shouldn't criticize that ministry. Because it's the same Lord that's calling those people into the ministry. I minister in a specific way. Uh, my friend Isaiah Salivar ministers in a different way. I have a uh, Pastor Rodney Howard Brown who ministers in a different way, but they're all heavily anointed and they all they all work the work that God's called them to work, and they have a special unction to function in the way that they in the way that they uh they minister in. I'm not going to criticize one because it doesn't look like mine. Jesus spat on the ground and made clay with his saliva and wiped it on a guy's eyes. He, he operated differently. I don't go around spitting on the ground and making clay unless I feel if ever the Lord wants to have me do that. But there's a different ministry, the same Lord. Then listen to this. There are diversities. This is important. There are diversities of activities or operations. But it is the same God who works all in all. There is different activities or operations. Different MOs. Smith Wigglesworth used to... Punch people to get them healed at times. John G. Lake took his hand and slapped a a, a man's stomach. Or I think it was a woman. A woman's stomach that had a a cancerous tumor on it that was the size of a football. And the thing fell off within two days. He slapped her stomach. Other people, like Teal Osborne, wouldn't even lay hands on people most of the time. He'd just have them lay hands on themselves because there were so many people coming to his meetings and he'd just pray a mass prayer. And through that point of contact of them laying hands on them, he'd release his faith, they'd release their faith, and they'd get healed. Diversity of operations. Different way that these gifts operated in their life, but it was the same spirit or the same God who worked all these things. Jesus spat on the ground, made saliva, wiped it on a guy's eye. His eyes came open when he told him to go and wash in the pool of Siloam. That was one operation of the gift of the working of miracles. But then, you know, Jesus worked in seven of the nine gifts of the Spirit. He never spoke in tongues and never gave an interpretation of tongues. But he spoke, he he did uh, operate in seven of the nine gifts. And I can show you through the scriptures where those happen. Working of miracles, spits on the ground, makes clay, wipes on the guy's eyes, goes and tells him to wash. Miracle was worked. Then, in another time. There's a leper that came to Jesus and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him this time. Didn't spit on him. Didn't wipe saliva on him. Just touched him. And his, immediately his flesh was restored like that of a child's. In another, in another miracle, that centurion came to Jesus. Just speak the word and my servant will be made well. Jesus just spoke a word. Didn't even go to the house and lay hands on him. Didn't touch him didn't make clay with his saliva, he just spoke the word, and the centurion servant was made well. So you see the diversity of the operation of these gifts. In another time, uh, you have Jesus, you have Jesus with with the men that needed wine at the wedding, and what did he do? He just told the men to go and draw wine, uh, go and draw water out of the water baskets, uh, uh, water pots. After they had filled it, and as they walked, the water was converted to wine, and that was that was a miracle. This beginning of miracles did Jesus at Canaan of Galilee, but they were different miracles and different operations of the same gift, the working of miracles. It manifested differently. Then you have Paul in Acts chapter nineteen. You have handkerchiefs and aprons brought from his body to those that were sick and demon possessed, and the sick were healed, and those that were demon possessed were delivered just as they took the garments from Paul's body. It was a, that was a working of miracle. You have Peter now walking, and just his shadow falling on people. People that were paralyzed or lame were walking. People that were sick were healed. So that's the gifts of healing and the working of miracles manifesting in diversity of operations, but always remember it's the same God who's working all these things. So don't criticize another person because they don't operate like you operate. Oral Roberts, who had a mighty healing ministry in the 20th century. He was one day praying, and his hand began to burn like fire. And the Lord spoke to him. He said, when you feel the heat on your hand, you can know... That the gifts of healings have been activated in that service and you should lay hands on every single person and they'll all be healed. But if you don't feel fire burning in your hand, then you should just pray for the people by faith and believe me for healing. But if you feel the fire, I've never felt a fire on my hand. I've never I felt in my own personal ministry praying for people, I felt something like leave me and hit them. I have felt something like kind of get transmitted from me into that person and they've been healed. But I've never felt a fire in my head. Am I going to go, or oh, Roberts, you're not of God because I've never felt fire in my head? No, that would be foolish. He had a mighty healing ministry. And so just because they operate differently, it doesn't mean that they're, you know, that's the problem today. You have someone that operates differently than another person and they automatically label it demonic. That's demonic. They're full of the devil. Now I've never seen that happen. All right, you are. Are you the Bible? Are you the Lord who calls? Are you the Spirit of God? Are you the Great God of all the universe who called me into the ministry? No. So what business do you have calling something demonic? Now, if something doesn't fit under the nine gifts of the Spirit or doesn't fit into into the Bible, you've never, you know. If something's not producing redemption in other people's life, that's what you have to look out for. I honestly, you know, there's people who say they operate in the word of knowledge, and they can give you your bank account number, they can give you your your how much money's in your bank account, but there's no redemptive value. I remember watching some particular ministry uh back when I was uh in uh, probably in 2016 or 17, he was on television and I saw him pull out someone in the crowd and he and he started to say. Uh, He he gave him, he actually gave that lady her name without her even knowing, having delivered that information to him. He knew her name. He knew, I think he knew her bank account number. And then he said, your brother's sick. He's dying of cancer. And all this was true. It was all accurate. And he said, the Lord, he said this, the Lord told me he's going to die. He's going to die of that. And, uh, and there's nothing, pretty much there's nothing you can do about it. And I remember thinking to myself, that's not the operation of the gifts. Every gift of the Spirit carries a redemptive value to it. It'll always bring people to a place of redemption, where they're healed, to a place where there's provision. These gifts of the Spirit are not magic tricks. They're not parlor tricks. They're not, uh, this isn't like witchcraft, where we're just trying to show that there's a spirit world out there. The gifts of the Spirit function for the profit of all, the Bible says. It brings profiting. I'm not calling someone out, giving them their bank account number, and then telling them their brother's going to die and there's nothing you can do about it. God didn't do that. Jesus didn't find the widow of Nain as they were carrying her son out of the gate, and he was dead in a casket. And Jesus just wrapped his arm around the lady and said, there's nothing you could have done about it. You know, just give up. He went and said, stop weeping. And then by the working of miracles, matter of fact, when someone's raised from the dead, it's the three power gifts in one. It's the working of miracles, it's the gifts of healing, and it's the gift of faith. Faith to speak to a dead body to rise up. That takes a special kind of faith. The working of miracles is the Spirit of God quickening that body, jerking it back to life. And then the gifts of healing goes to work to repair whatever caused the death in the first place. So you have all three gifts of the Spirit working uh, in the power gifts, working at once when someone's being raised from the dead. Jesus didn't raise the guy from the dead. Uh, Jesus didn't tell the woman there's nothing he could have done about it. Jesus went and operated in these gifts to raise the guy from the dead and presented the dead man back to her, his mother alive. There was a redemptive value to it. I can't stand this new wave of like prophetic where it's just, I know your name, I know what you're going through, but there's there's no power. There's no... Turn of the story. Elijah didn't show up to the widow in Zarephath in 1 Kings 17 and said, Hey, I know you're on your last meal, but make me first a cake because I need to eat too. No. He said, make me first a cake. And then through the gift of faith, because the gift of faith brings two things, provision and protection. And he, through the gift of faith, told the woman, if you'll do this, your basket I mean, your bin of flour will never be used up, and the jar of oil will never run dry until God sends rain on the earth again. There was, and that's what happened. There was a there was power that was produced, wasn't a magic trick. So there's diversity of gifts, but the same Lord, or there's diversity of operations, but it's the same God who worketh all these things. If the gift and operation is bringing people to Christ, pointing people to Jesus, bringing people to a point of repentance and faith towards God bringing protection and provision healing and health then it's God if it's just you know the devil counterfeits everything God does in the authentic the devil has a counterfeit tongues the devil has counterfeit word of knowledge so you see you think these um, these like fortune tellers or these not even the fortune tellers these well yeah these fortune tellers how do you ever watch them how they operate I remember when I was in the world. I, I, I watched one once at 3 a.m. on an infomercial on television. They tell, they tell the person things that happened to them in their past. I see that you had uh, this happen to you when you were seven years old. And they're spot on. Why? Because the devil knows what happened in your past. And if someone is connected to the devil, he can receive download of information for your life. They can be very accurate. That's a demonic function of the word of knowledge. Show you what happened in your past. Show you. It can tell you who your dad's name was. Your mom's name was. All that. The devil has that information on you. It's not hidden. So he can speak to that spiritus. That witch. And and it be very accurate. And the person be wowed. And then they go on. They tell you some things about your past and then they try to prophesy things about your future and the devil's just given a a guess at that point because he has no access to prophesy. He has no ability to prophesy the future. He can only tell you about your past. There's no redemption value in all of it. There's no redemption value in all of it. You have mediums. They go and ask, my my father died. I need to know, is he okay? The medium contacts the spirit. And then through that operation of the demonic word of knowledge, tells you, Your dad used to call you this. Wasn't that true when you were a young person? Yeah. That's a familiar spirit that just familiarized itself with your family. And then when that witch or that medium starts to open up her spirit to the spirit world, that same familiar spirit comes in and says, tell them this, tell them that. And then it's, it's wow. wow. So the devil, it's funny because the devil knows that if he's going to get this generation, he's got to operate in a supernatural fashion, but then you have the church that says, "Well, we're just word-only people." No, it's the word and the spirit that brings people to Christ. And the most unused, untapped resources in the whole entire world is not gasoline, it's not water, it's not uh, it's not lithium. It's the power of the Holy Spirit resident in the believer. The power of the Holy Ghost resident in the believer. But I want to show you how you can tap in. You know, God put the Holy Spirit in you. The ability, that's why I titled this Supernatural Abilities. Because the ability to operate as a man under the influence of the Holy Ghost of God is in you. But unless you learn how to cooperate and yield, do you no good. Holy Spirit is not just a comforter. The Bible says, he gave gifts to men. Let's read about them. The manifestation of the Spirit is given to everyone for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit. Another the word of knowledge. Through the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit. See I love how Paul keeps saying the same Spirit. The same Spirit. The same Spirit. Because what do you have today? You have people that say that's that's not the Holy Spirit. They say that's an unclean Spirit operating. I remember in Montreal, we had a minister come, Pastor Rodney Howard Brown, who operates in a strong gifting. And I've seen people get delivered of depression, and they experience the joy of the Lord, and they start to laugh a bit. Which, God forbid, people laugh in church. Church is a place of of somber scenery where people should just cry and weep and wail and be in torment. God forbid laughter kingdom of heaven is not in meat and drink it's in sorrow it's in destruction it's in sorrow it's in depression it's no it's in love it's in uh, righteousness peace and joy in the Holy Ghost so I remember this guy uh, who I knew got hit with the power of God and started to laugh and I knew this I know this guy I know his past I know he's you know suicidal borderline he got hit with the power of God and I was just praising God thanking God that like joy was hitting his spirit never seen him laugh in a long time. And there was a guy that was in that meeting that got up and said, that's demonic. That's demonic. That's the devil. How could that be demonic? A guy, you know what was demonic? The depression. Why was that guy who got up and disrupted the meeting, labeling it as demonic, not disturbed when that man came in year after year, full of the devil and depressed and suicidal, did nothing to help him, did nothing to pray for him, did nothing to assist him in what capacity whatsoever, was unmoved, when the man was under the power of the devil, but then the power of God comes in, breaks, breaks the chain of depression and suicide off his life. He starts to experience joy bubbling up out of his belly. You know, Jesus said, out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. And part of those rivers, it's rivers, not just a river. There's peace, there's joy. Rivers. And he starts to experience a joy, unspeakable and full of glory. And what do you have a guy get up? That's demonic. That's why Paul keeps saying, it's the same spirit. Be careful. Be careful. To not label something, be careful when you label something as demonic. Because if Jesus said, when they blasphemed his work, he had, done a, he had cast a demon out of someone, and they said he cast out demons because he's the prince of demons. Jesus said, you can blaspheme the father all you want. It'll be forgiven if you turn. You can blaspheme the son all you want. It'll be, I'll forgive you. But the Holy Spirit is like very precious to the Trinity. And Jesus said, if you blaspheme the Holy Spirit, you are in danger of the impardonable sin because they were attributing the work of the spirit to the devil. Be careful to not label everything as demonic just because you don't understand it. Paul says, it is the same spirit to another faith by the same spirit to another gifts of healings by the same spirit. Man, he's doing it on purpose now. The Holy Spirit is inspiring Paul to write these words and he's doing it on purpose. It's not by accident. This isn't Paul's style of writing. This is the Holy Spirit moving him to write by the same Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. To another, different kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. By, but the one and the same Spirit. I want you to write that in the comment section. The same Spirit. The same Spirit worketh all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. As he wills. So let's briefly give a definition of the gifts and then I'll do a part two for this because it's it's too long. We're already an hour and ten minutes in. Definition of the gifts. The gifts of the Spirit in the Greek is the charismata. The supernatural endowment. Matter of fact, it's the, the pneumatikos. If you read 1 Corinthians 12, it's concerning The gifts of the Spirit, I would not have you ignorant, it actually translated as pneumaticos, which means the things of the Spirit, or the way the Holy Spirit manifests. So the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. When He shows up, His manifestation is in these nine ways. That's why I always say that there's a lot of odd manifestations that happen in in churches that aren't listed in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. You can know God has showed up into a place when these things start to take place. A a church, when you preach on the baptism of the Holy Spirit, when you preach on the infilling of the Holy Spirit, you're charging the environment with electricity. When the Holy Spirit shows up, these gifts are like the appliances that we plug into the wall that bring usefulness. They're utility gifts. If I had my house filled with electricity, which we have, we have lights here right now, to, turned on. My house is filled with electricity, but unless I take my oven and plug it into my house, and unless I take my stove, my, my microwave, and plug it into my house, the, the branch of my house, to, to actually have that be a conduit of the electricity to power up my appliances, it does no good. You can have a church that talks about being filled with the Holy Ghost all they want, but these are the appliances of the Holy Spirit. These nine gifts are the appliances of the Holy Spirit, the way He manifests, the utility of the Holy Spirit. They bring usefulness to the body of Christ. They bring profit to the body of Christ. What are the nine? I said it before, you have the three categories. Power gifts, inspiration gifts, revelation gifts. And Joel said, the last hours we're living in is gonna require move the gifts of the Spirit of God. And I agree. And that's why I'm doing this right now. Lester Sumrall said that the last move of God will be characterized by the gifts of the Holy Spirit in full function, more than ever before. The last move of God is going to be characterized by the the activation and operation of these weapons of our warfare called the gifts of the Holy Spirit, whereby we're going to tear down every pillar of hell and we're going to establish, we're going to advance the kingdom of God at a faster rate than ever before. Jesus said, I will build my church and the church is a supernatural bu- building. The church is a supernatural building. It's a supernatural entity and organization. And it's built by a supernatural God. And we have a supernatural enemy. And only supernatural gifts and abilities are going to ensure the advancement and the building of this church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. If we're going to, if, if, In these last days, we're going to experience the move of God that we've been prophesied about, and that we've spoken, and what we've confessed about. It's going to be by the operation of these gifts. So three, power, inspiration, revelation. Let me go through a brief description of every gift. Power gifts, gift of faith. Where do you see the gift of faith in operation? Daniel in the lion's den. Daniel, the Bible says, he slept in the lion's den, surrounded by lions. Only the gift of faith can do that. What is the gift of faith? Remember, these are supernatural giftings. These are not natural things. Like they used to teach that the gifts of healings was like, if you were, uh, you, were, you were gonna become a medical doctor, or if you were like a therapist, you knew how to heal people, or some sort of like physiotherapist, you knew how to rub in the right places and all that. That's the gifts of healing. He knew how to give a good massage. That's not the gifts of healing. Working of miracles, uh, or the gift of knowledge, it's not a gift of knowledge. They used to think the, that the word of knowledge was the gift of knowledge in that it was people that were more inclined to study and they were just brighter. The word of wisdom or the gift of wisdom they called it, which is not the gift of wisdom, it is the word of wisdom. They used to, call, they used to think that it was like people that were more witty and they were very innovative and creative. No, every one of these giftings are supernatural in their working. They cannot be done any other way. They're not human abilities. They're not uh, human giftings or talents, someone who's just gifted at art or whatever. These are supernatural abilities. So Daniel, in Daniel chapter six, we read of him sleeping in the lion's den, and the next day when Nebuchadnezzar or Darius came out and called Daniel, "Has your God, whom you serve, been able to deliver you from this, from the lion, from the lion's den?" And Daniel cried back, "That the Lord has sent His angel." See, that's what the gift of faith will do. Oftentimes, it'll actually dispatch heavenly assistance and reinforcement. Many times that this gift in operation actually released an angel to fight. That God had sent his angel to shut the mouths of these lions because I did trust in him. The Bible says Daniel was delivered because he trusted in God. Gift of faith is not just a regular conventional faith that you get just by reading the word of God. The gift of faith, Smith Wigglesworth used to say it this way. He said, I believe God with all my faith. And when I come to the end of my own faith, another faith kicks in and carries me the whole way. That's what the gift of faith is. Daniel thrown into a lion's den. There's no natural faith. There's no Bible verse he could stand on. <laughs> he, he, he came to the end of human faith. And a supernatural faith came in. Where he was able to look in the face of the lions. And command them to shut up. And the angel of the Lord tied their mouths up. So that they, not only did he, not only did he, it's not like he stayed in that den with his, you know, with a rock in his hand. Had to guard himself the entire night. He went to bed. He slept. Jesus sleeping in the storm on, sh- on that ship as they were going to the Gadarene region. That's the gift of faith. You're able to sleep. It doesn't even bother you. You're just sleeping through a storm. You're sleeping through it. it the waves don't even affect you. The lions didn't even affect Daniel's disposition. The lions didn't get him worried. It didn't get him scared. It, it wasn't like You know, having a panic or a mental breakdown in the den. It there was a supernatural serenity and calmness. In Isaiah, it says, "He that believeth shall not make haste," meaning he won't get, he won't have a mental breakdown. Faith carries a supernatural peace and joy to it. And when you have this supernatural gift of faith working in you, it brings protection and provision. Show you an example of provision. Howard Carter. By the gift of faith, he spoke. They had to pay off a local church that needed, I think, like $3,000. This was back in, like, the early 1900s, which was a lot of money. And they had till the 29th of the month to pay it off. And Howard Carter was the dean of the local Bible college. And he told the pastor, don't worry about anything. We're going to pay it off for you. He had no money to his name. And he just began to confess. The money's coming in. Day 28 comes. He doesn't have any money. Day 29 comes. That, see... All the Bible college students, because they heard Howard Carter say that, they were fasting and praying throughout the entire month. Howard Carter didn't fast or pray once. He just gave the word. He did it under the influence of the gift of faith. And so day 28 comes, the Bible college professors and all the students are worrying for Howard Carter. Howard Carter is not worried one bit. He's, He's as peaceful as peaceful can be. And so day 29 comes, the money is due by 12 p.m. And they came to him in the morning. He was eating breakfast. You know, when you're worried and you're like panicky, you don't have an appetite. He had an appetite. He was eating throughout. The the students weren't even eating because they were so panicky. He was eating. He had an appetite. He was not worried. It's like 9 a.m. The money was due by 12 p.m. to the bank or they were going to seize the church. And he just replied, we don't need it till 12 p.m. God will bring it. At like 11 or 10.30 a.m., they got a ring to the door, Open it up. It was a special mail package. He gave it to him. He opened it up, and it was $3,000-something in $100 bills. And they went and paid off the, the, the church. I mean, that's what the gift of faith does. Gives you a supernatural peace in a time where the world would be worrying, where any normal human being would be like a chicken running around without its head. The gift of faith gives you a peace where you just know it's going to be all right. I pray that gift comes on you in Jesus' name. If you're in a place, in a position right now, where you're backed up to the corner, I pray the gift of faith would just come on you right now. Will well, you'll have a, a, an unnatural, supernatural faith to believe God despite the opposition, despite, despite the circumstances, despite the impossibility of the situation, that you'll have a knowing in your spirit that your God's gonna make a way in Jesus' mighty name. And I wanna remind you, these gifts are not something you possess. You don't possess, "I, I have the gifts of healing. You don't have nothing. You have the Holy Spirit, and these are the ways he will manifest through you. I don't have the gift of faith. I don't have the gift of working of miracles. I don't have the word of knowledge. I yield to the Holy Spirit. And wherever I need the operation of the word of knowledge, it'll come. Whenever I need the working of miracles to happen, it'll come. Whenever I need it. It's like, think of yourself like this. You're a soldier. You wake up in the morning and say yes to your marching and uh, your marching orders. And then you go out to wherever you have to be. And whatever situation arises, you have a tool belt. You have like a, you know how an army man, a soldier, he's got a knife over here, he's got a knife over here, he's got something, he's got a compass, he's got all kinds of tools all around him. That's what the gifts of the Spirit are. You're you're equipped now. And whatever you have need of on any given day, in any particular situation, the Holy Spirit will bring that to you, and you'll have, you'll be able to operate in that supernatural ability. So I don't have the word of knowledge, but when I need a word of knowledge, it's there. I don't have it. I have the Holy Ghost, and this is how he helps me. So, gift of faith, number two, the working of miracles. and I tell a story oftentimes of an evangelist who operated in this very powerfully. He was out, I think in Alabama, doing a tent crusade, and in the first row that night, there was a man who had come who was uh brought by his wife, who had his neck sunken deep down into his into his like his body he had miss he was missing two vertebrae, and so The preacher that night, uh, when he saw him there, he preached a sermon on miracles, and he went, and before he even finished preaching, he grabbed the man's head and lifted it up. And he felt under his hand two brand new vertebrae just pop off in his neck, like tack, tack. And his wife let out a a gasp (gasps) because a doctor had set his neck in such a way that if it was moved, even a quarter of an inch... Um, abruptly, it would have killed him. And so she let out a gasp because like her husband, she thought he was gonna die. But instead, God was work. that's the working of miracles. It's not the believing for miracles, it's the working of miracles. He grabbed his neck and lifted it up, and he worked a miracle right then and there. And um, behind them was a Muslim girl that was with her father. She was about 12 years of age, and she saw that happen. And she was in tears because she had seen him walk in, and he was all, you know, crippled. And when she saw that happen, she, uh, the preacher said, "Little girl, do you want to see a miracle?" So he called her up and took her hand, and he put it on her on the guy's uh, neck, and she felt like the fire of, or the like electricity of heaven, zap right through her. She fell over and began to speak in tongues. Muslim family, the father saw that happen, and he stretched out his hand to grab her. But the way to stop live wire is not to touch it. And so he touched her, who was like electrified by the power of God, and then it got into him. And he started to weep and speak in other tongues and got, I guess, saved and filled with the Holy Ghost all in that moments of time. That's the working of miracles. You see what it did? It not only got that man healed, or he didn't have to wear a neck brace anymore, totally healed and restored his neck, gave him two brand new uh, new, uh, vertebrae, But it then pointed that entire family to Christ. The next night, that man and his daughter had three full rows of Muslim family members that they all, at the end, when the altar call was given, because he was like the patriarch of the family, he marched them down to the front row and said, you're giving your life to Jesus tonight. Just march them down like a commanding officer. Hallelujah. That's the working of miracles. Gifts of healings. Gifts of healings is uh, the supernatural endowment of the Holy Spirit where there's a special anointing for a particular disease. I'll say, I say it this way because it's the gifts of healings. It's pluralistic in its form. Every other gift of the Holy Spirit is singular. This one's pluralistic. It's plural. Gifts of healings. S at the end of it. Because there's different men and women of God throughout history that had a specific... Every time that gift of healing would come on them, it was very specific to a disorder or to some sort of disease or sickness. George uh, Stephen Jeffries had this in particular to um, particular to the rheumatoid arthritis or any type of arthritis. If you had arthritis, rheumatoid, or whatever, and you came to his meeting, these these this powerful gift of healing manifested specifically for rheumatoid arthritis. Some people say because Jesus took 39 lashes on his back that there's actually 39 categories of sickness and disease and this gifts of healings, it actually manifests in 39 different ways. I can't build a doctrine off that, but there are people, and I know them, I know people that are, they, when they lay hands on people that have specific disorders or diseases, they're very efficient at getting those people healed. I've seen it. Stephen Jeffries, it was rheumatoid arthritis. I've seen other people, it's cancer. That cancer, uh, any, t- any person they lay hands on with cancer, they get healed. But then, when they lay hands on someone with arthritis, it doesn't do anything. Why? I don't know. It's just a, a different operation of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Special endowment. Or Robert said when he felt the fire on his hand, he knew that the Lord was, um, that that gifts of healing was activated in his life, in his, in his ministry, in his meeting, and so he'd lay hands on people, and he had like a 100% track record. Everybody got healed. A. Allen had a, minute, uh, had a meeting once where everyone in the building got healed on that night. R.W. Shambach talks about it. Everyone in the building got healed. Nobody was left out. That was the operation of the gifts of healing. Where, uh, where, where not one person was left out. So those are the power gifts. Then there's the um, inspiration gifts. Tongues, interpretation of tongues, and prophecy. Tongues is an unknown tongue. 1 Corinthians 14 he speaketh not unto men but unto God in the spirit he speaking mysteries. So in the church context cuz there's your private prayer language and then there's the church context of tongues. Your private prayer language, Jude verse 20, build yourself up, pray in the holy spirit at all times. That's between you and God in private time. But tongues and interpretation are something different in the context of a church service. And actually if you combine them both they equal prophecy. Why? Paul said that he that speaketh in an unknown tongue, he edifies himself, but whoever prophesies edifies the entire church. He said, I'd rather prophesy than speak in tongues, and he that prophesies is greater than he that speaks in tongues, unless he interprets. That tells you that when you have a tongue and interpretation, it's akin or it's equal to prophecy, because it brings edification to the entirety of the church. Tongues, interpretation equals prophecy. And then prophecy, what's prophecy? It's special inspiration by the Spirit of God to bring exhortation, which is like direction. Edification, which is to build people up. And comfort. It brings comfort. It doesn't bring discomfort. It doesn't bring disaster. It doesn't tell people, get ready, things are getting harder now. That's not prophecy. Prophecy brings comfort. Prophecy brings edification, and it brings exhortation, direction, counsel, and instruction. That's the purpose of prophecy. Prophecy is not to prophesy some future thing. This is where people get it mixed up. They think that Old Testament prophets, that they operated in this gift of prophecy. They were foretelling the future. That's not the operation of the gift of prophecy. Prophecy is like something like this. You're going to make it. God's hands on your life. You're going to do supernatural things. The devil's not going to have your family. God's going to make a way where there's no way. That's prophecy. It's bringing edification. It's building people up. It's exhorting them and it's bringing comfort. When people talk about foretelling the future, they're actually referring to the word of wisdom, which is part of the revelation gifts. Old Testament prophets operated in this gift called the word of wisdom, which we'll get into the revelation gifts now. Word of wisdom, word of knowledge, discerning of spirits. The word of wisdom, the word of wisdom is the foretelling of future events. It is a word of God's wisdom. Well, what's God's wisdom? The future. The Bible says, and let me read it, First Corinthians chapter 2. This is going to make sense to you when I'm done reading this scripture. First Corinthians chapter 2. Verse 6, however, we speak wisdom amongst those who are mature, not the wisdom of this age, nor of the rulers of this age, which have come to nothing. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom, which God ordained before the ages for our glory, which none of the rulers of this age have had, for had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But God reveals them to us by his spirit. So the hidden wisdom, what is the word of wisdom? It is the hidden future. It's a fragment of knowledge pertaining to a future event that has not yet to come to pass. Word of knowledge, contrary to word of wisdom, is this. Word of knowledge deals with the present and the past. It's information dealing with a past event, a past situation, a past anything. Anything that's happened. Past history or present history. Word of wisdom is something that deals with the future. What's going to come to pass. The prophecies concerning Christ, like we just read, had they known, they would have not have crucified. Had they known what? The wisdom of God. Those prophecies concerning Christ was the operation of the word of wisdom. When David prophesied, they pierced his hands and his feet. When Isaiah prophesied that they pierced his hands for our transgressions, they bruised him for our iniquities. that was the operation of the word of wisdom. God was opening up Isaiah's mind to a fragment Of something that was going to take place in the future. Hidden to everyone else. But revealed to Isaiah and Old Testament prophets. Word of knowledge. Deals with the past. Or present things that are happening currently. Give you an example of this. Isaiah. uh, Not Isaiah, sorry. You have. Elijah. 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 Not Elisha, Elisha, sorry. Elisha in 2 Kings chapter 5. You have him dealing or diver, divulging the secrets of the king of Assyria to the king of Israel. And so every time the king of Assyria was setting up a strategy of war to invade Israel, Elisha would reveal the secret to the king of Israel, and they'd have a counterattack ready in place for when Assyria would, would attack. And they always disarmed It always disarmed, and it always disrupted their plans. That's the function of the word of knowledge. They were discussing plans in their own chambers, in their own secret chambers. It would be like in a bunker somewhere, where there's no outside ability to hear anything discussed in this bunker. And yet, Elisha, through the word of knowledge, is hearing It's God revealing to a man or a woman a special piece of information that did not come through the senses. You can't see it. It's not me looking at you and trying to gauge where you're at in life and then kind of like feel it out. No. That's why when I pray for people, I'll close my eyes because I don't want to be led by my senses. I want it to be the Lord where God will reveal a fragment of knowledge from the past. You know, I did this once, I was preaching, I do this often, but I was preaching in Brossard, Quebec, and a girl was there, who I'd never met in my life, first time in church, a college student brought her, who was her college roommate, and uh, I pulled her out of the audience, and I began to say, you have OCD, now there's no way to tell someone has OCD in the flesh, I had OCD, nobody knew I had OCD, you can hide it very well, there's no way, it's not like uh, she came in with an IV tank or something. She, she, she had nothing in a natural or nothing in the observable environment that I could tell or discern that she had OCD. But I felt in my spirit. I actually didn't know anything. I just felt the Lord tell me to call her out. As I walked towards her, it was like a download. It's like God downloaded all kinds of information in my spirit. And I said, you have OCD. You take this and this pill. It takes you this long to get ready in the morning. And when you go to school, and I started to tell her day, literally day. Divulged information as to how she runs her day and she wept under the power of God and she got saved that day Because the word of knowledge is a special gift It builds people's faith because it shows them that God knows every piece of information about their life It shows people that we serve a loving God who cares that he's intimately acquainted with all of our ways That he knows our rising up and our sitting down I'll Tell you an example of the operation of this gift I was listening to a preacher, and he was uh, telling a story once. And as he was, he said in this story, "I was preaching in a certain place. It was a big auditorium, big big audience, and the Lord told me to call a woman out and to tell her, daughter. I forget what the word was. He called the woman out and said, like, daughter." the birds are chirping something like that i don't know what it was and he actually was uh, res- like he was resisting he's like i'm not going to do that he's going to look like a lunatic but finally the lord pressed on and he said do it so he called her out and he said daughter the birds are chirping something like that i forget the exact word i'm probably butchering the story but regardless she began to break down in tears and she fell to her knees and lifted her hands he's like wow you know that's an odd word to give someone come to find out uh, he, like I don't know if it was months before this event she was out in, pub, like in, in, in nature and she was praying to God and she said God if you really hear me and you really care about me then you'll have a preacher come out and tell me the birds are chirping like something crazy you know and so a couple of months later she's in that service and he says, he says tell her daughter the birds are chirping and I saw you well, she'll never doubt that God sees her. If His eyes on the sparrow, then surely He looks after me. She'll never doubt that again. She'll never doubt that. Hallelujah. That's the operation of the word of knowledge. And af- actually, sometimes these words, they like these these giftings, they actually interlink. So, like you'll start to operate. In the, you know, I call someone out in New York City who's got a heart, who's had two heart attacks, and I say the Lord's going to heal your damaged heart. Never met him in my life. Your you go, Lord's going to heal your damaged heart. Well, I never met Him. What do you think that tells Him? God's doing something. I'm going to set my faith to be healed. That's what He did. And God gave Him a brand new heart. It he was totally healed. Damaged heart repaired. So you'll see that sometimes these gifts work hand in hand. You start to flow in the word of knowledge. It'll build their faith to now receive a miracle, to receive a healing, or whatever. It'll edify and comfort them. And then three, the third gift of Revelation, and this one's great, listen to this, discerning of spirits. This is where God gives a person the ability to discern a human spirit, discern a demon spirit, discern an angelic spirit, and discern the Holy Spirit. John chapter 1, let me read this. John chapter 1, you see Jesus operate in this discerning of spirits. Verse 43, the following day Jesus wanted to go to Galilee, and he found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we found him whom Moses and the law and the prophets wrote of, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael said to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, come and see. So Nathanael is not convinced at all at this point. Jesus saw Nathanael coming towards him, never met him in his life. Jesus said, behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom there's no deceit. So Jesus was able to see Nathanael and just with one glimpse on him through the discerning of spirits he was able to discern that this guy is a clean man. There's no deceit in him. No guile. He's not a, a con artist. This guy's clean. He's a truth seeker. Without ever meeting him without ever getting uh, word of his reputation that he had in his past. No, he just had to take one glimpse of him. And then the operation of the discerning of spirits allowed him to see that he's a clean man, an Israelite in he, indeed in whom there's no deceit. This guy's not a liar. This guy is, is, is a, a man who sincerely desires truth. Nathaniel said to him, how do you know me? Jesus answered and said, before Philip called you, you were under the fig tree and I saw you. That's the operation of the word of knowledge. Before Philip called you, you were under the fig tree. He didn't see him under the fig tree. He wasn't witnessing him under a fig tree at that time. But I like to imagine it that Nathaniel was probably under a fig tree. And perhaps he was crying out to God as a man who was seeking truth. God, I know there's more. I need you to reveal yourself to me. I need you. I want to encounter with your power. Couple hours go by. He comes to Nathaniel. Uh, he comes to Jesus. Nathaniel says, "Before you were under the fig tree, I saw you." And what did Nathaniel do? Fell to his knees and said, "Rabbi, Rabbi you are the Son of God, the Messiah, the Savior who's to come into the world." Hallelujah. So you have Jesus discerning a person's human spirit. You can discern a human spirit whether they're they have a good spirit or whether they have a bad spirit. And I don't mean an evil demonic spirit. I mean if they're like con artists. This can help you a lot, especially if you own a business. Because these gifts of the Spirit are not just for ministry. They're for life. They're to help you in life. They're to help you in daily activity. To keep you, protect you, and bring you into increase. It's nice when you're hiring people. you get got to check in your spirit. And the Lord says that, that person is going to screw you over one day. And you just don't hire them. And you just saved yourself from who knows what. Or you have someone that comes to you and they're flattering you with their tongue. But there's something in your spirit saying they're they're full of it. They're actually not good people. And they're they're just trying to win you over so you can divulge secrets to them so that they can go and share it and gossip. And you have that come into your spirit. That'll save you. Because then they go out and tell you, did you, you know, this, uh, this person told me this and this about that person. And then they make you the source of gossip because of what you divulge. Totally spared you because of what you discerned by the Spirit in your spirit about another man's spirit. And then you can discern good things. Jesus discerned this guy is good. This man is a, a, an Israelite indeed who can be trusted. who There's no deceit. So God will, by the discerning of the turn you away from people that would actually cause you to fall. And turn you to people and connect you with people that the Holy Ghost will say, that's someone you need to connect with. That's someone who's out for your best interest. That's someone who's going to be a good friend in hard times and connect with those types of people. I'll tell you another operation of this. Lester Summerall said he was at a prayer meeting one day. This was back in like the country churches in like the 40s or 30s. And he said at this prayer meeting, there was this old woman that was praying at the front, and she was a woman of prayer, a prayer warrior. And during that meeting, a woman came out from the back, nicely dressed, came to the front, grabbed the microphone, and started to say, God sent me here, I'm here, and the Lord spoke to me, that we are to hold a nightly revival meeting for the next two weeks, and we're going to have spirit-filled services every single night, bring your friends, bring your family members, bring everyone, the woman that was a prayer warrior in the front row, got up and looked to her, and said, you are a liar, you are a prostitute from such and such a town. You told your pimp before you came into this church tonight, you had a conversation and said, if you can just go to that church, that you can actually sway those people, those innocent, gullible Christians out of an offering, that I'll actually bring you more money from going to that church. He, she... You grew up in church, you know how to hold revival meetings, but you're not saved or born again, and you convinced your pimp that you can make more money swindling those Christian gullible people out of their offerings than if you had slept with a different person every night, and you asked them to give you a chance. Well, I'm here to tell you by the Spirit of the Lord, you either repent and leave, or you will die at this pulpit. She ran out of that meeting, ran out of the meeting. You know, the discerning of spirits is going to clear out the pulpits of America, It's going to clear out the pulpits of of Canada. It'll discern between the fake and the real. Those that are just hirelings, wolves in sheep clothing, and those that are actually called of God and shepherds according according to his own heart. That's what the discerning of spirits, and there's going to be a greater operation of this in these last days. Because God's going to, like by fire, fire purifies gold. God's going to purify his church. And all the fakes, and we're seeing it. In the last two months, leading up to the election in the United States, November 6th election, there were two prominent ministers that five years ago, three years ago, four years ago, if you had told me that they were wolves in sheep's clothing, I would have never have known. That just recently, leading up to the election, they had pro-choice candidates show up to their church and encourage their entire audience, their entire congregation to go and vote for those people. I'm sorry, but if you vote, if you encourage people to vote pro choice and you open up your platform to have a political candidate come out and encourage others to vote for their pro choice platform and encourage people to do so, you're full of the devil. And that's what the discerning of spirits is going to do. It's going to uproot all the tares that the enemy has sowed amongst the wheat, uproot them all, reveal and expose. It's an exposing gift. Exposes the counterfeit, and then it's going to expose the real ministers. The ministries that are in it for the real reasons aren't just trying to, for self advancement, selfish gain, for self aggrandizement, but that are in there for the advancement of the kingdom of God. In Jesus' name, I want you to lift your hands wherever you're at, if you have the ability to do so, and I want to pray for you right now that these gifts are going to begin to flow through your life at a greater measure. And I'm probably going to do a part two series to this uh, where we we go deeper. But until then, I, I hope that there was a foundational understanding that was laid in your heart that showed you not only do these things exist, but that they're available to you as a believer and not only available, that God's eagerly desiring for you to operate in these things, that they're actually there for your help. That they're there, not just for ministry either. Elijah wasn't doing ministry when he went and gave the word by the gift of faith to the, the widow of Zarephath. It was just, Jesus wasn't doing ministry when, when some of these gifts was operating. You know, when he multiplied the bread and the, and the fish, that's the working of miracles. He wasn't, it wasn't ministry. He was just trying to help people. These gifts will bring violent increase to your life. I pray right now by the power of the Holy Ghost that you would get a fresh infilling with the Spirit of God and that these supernatural abilities will begin to operate at a greater measure than ever before. In Jesus' mighty name, it's a new day for your life. You're entering into a new level in the activities of the Spirit. You're entering into a new level right now, a new dimension of power. These things will begin to manifest, and it won't be you trying to have a manifest. As you seek God and earnestly desire the operation of these gifts, It'll just flow from you. Just like an apple tree doesn't have to try and bear apple fruit. It just flows. From today, these things will just flow from you. You'll be given a word of knowledge and you won't even know it's a word of knowledge. And they'll say, how did you know that happened? It'll be by the Spirit. In Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Stay connected with us by visiting us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook by searching at TJ Maokanji. Or visit us online www.salvationnow.ca God bless you and until next time.